Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. How's it going, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn at Go Long. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to our podcast. As always, can't wait to have the great Jeff Schwartz on with myself and Jim Monas. We're going to be at Hamburg Brewing Thursday night, chatting with him via Zoom. But in the meantime, figured we'd throw another happy hour your way. This is what you get when you subscribe to the Go Long newsletter. Seven a month, 70 a year. Uh, hang out with NFL players from around the league, past and present. Olin Krutz, the Chicago Bears, great all-decades team, six-time pro bowler, seen a lot, life in the trenches. He got into everything, so many stories. He, he shares stories uh, battling with Pat Williams and, and their ongoing rivalry in the NFC North. Uh, Ted Washington, some great battles with him in practice and games. thought he made a great point on, on Ted Washington's greatness. He, it kind of gets overlooked over the years. So just always want to give you a taste for what you get when you subscribe to Go Long. This is our hangout a couple weeks ago with Olin Krutz. Thank you so much. And also, if you subscribe, uh, shoot me an email, golongtd at gmail.com, and we'll hook you up with a Go Long crew or hooded sweatshirt. So uh, for our podcast listeners, subscribe. We'll send some swag your way. And we'll also be having a lot more coming in soon, T-shirts, long sleep shirts. So uh, that will be coming down the pipe. But in the meantime, here is... Olin Cruz. Thank you so much for the support, everyone. So, Olin, it's, it's great to finally meet you. I don't think we've ever act, actually met, you know, or I don't know, I've never interviewed you. I, I feel like nope. I know you, though. Like, I'm good buddies with a lot of reporters <laughs> out there. And everybody just says how exceptional of a human being you are. So it's an honor to have you. On, on well, I appreciate Happy you saying Hour. that, man. Thank you. You got it. I mean, it's, it's rare too. I mean, I mean, a player of your stature, I mean, all decades team, six time pro bowler on some just really, really good bears teams that, that could have won it all. I mean, I imagine we'll get into that, but I mean, to be as down to earth and as humble as you are, I mean, it's, it's rare. It's appreciated. And I mean, that thank, thanks for doing this. Yeah, no problem, man. I mean, I'm sure some people would argue with that whole humble part, but we'll, we'll go with that for this for this Zoom call. <laughs> I, I say that because I was like going through YouTube clips, you know, today earlier on you and one popped up. It was an interview you gave. It was a rough game against Minnesota and they, they were interviewing you right in the locker room. And like they're giving you every chance to like, you know, use an injury as an excuse or did they throw something at you on film you weren't expecting? You're like, 
I'm hundred percent healthy. I played, I played like shit. <laughs> Tom Waddle's like, well, I guess we'll go to commercial. <laughs> I remember, I, I think, I think Dan Jiggins did that interview. Yeah. And I just, you know, just after games, I mean, the, the great thing to me about when you play ball and, and I know you guys love football, you guys cover it, but the great thing for me always was the fact that, uh, you know, I, I think we could use it in life more that the film does not lie to you. Right. So as yeah. a ball player, uh, in the NFL, I always tell people, I'm like, imagine at the end of your day of whatever job you do, someone took you in a room, put the video on, and just told you how much you sucked on every everything you did throughout your day, right? So, uh, old ball players, we, we know how to take uh, criticism, and and I know like that film's coming out anyway. So why so why bullshit the guy at that moment? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Instead of saying, uh, "Well, I gotta wait till I see the film." I mean, you knew right. you knew what happened. Oh yeah, some games you know you, you play as much as I played. Some games are bad games, man. Some games are some games. Uh, sometimes you're the hammer, and sometimes you're the nail. And, and I'm pretty sure I got my ass handed to me that day. <laughs> Oh man, well we just kind of like this is just a free flowing thing. So if anybody mm -hmm. uh wants to chime in at any time, just just do it. Um, but look, looking back, I mean, at your career, Olin, like what, like what, what do you want people to remember you most most as? I mean, when they think of your name, when they think of your teams, like what? I guess what do you cherish the most? I think that I, I guess if if I brought myself to to really like thinking about it, or, or, or another word, caring about it. Um, I guess you said I played the game the right way. You know, like I had that much respect for football. Uh, football's given me everything I got. I always loved the game. So, um, you know, all the accolades are great. Um, but just the fact that uh, I, I hope that, you know, I hope that you lined up every day, gave everything I had. And um, to me, it's a great game. That's why it really, it really does teach a lot, a lot of um, character traits that you need in life, right? And it's helped me really, it's, you know, everything I have is from football. So I, I want to be remembered. And I always tell people there's guys who play football and there's football players. And I tell my boys this, I say, you got to make a choice. Either you play football, or you're a ball player. And, and, and by that, I mean, uh, the guys who play football, they like being on the bus. Uh, they like having fun with everybody. Uh, they like being on the team, but ball players, man, we're just waiting for the game. Uh, we're waiting to rip someone's head off. Uh, and or get your head ripped off like you enjoy both parts both aspects both everything about the game you just love and you can't get enough of it so I guess uh, by that definition I hope when people say my name they say man the guy's a ball player I don't know if fans realize that too there are players who play just because they're good at it right like the, it's mm -hmm. a paycheck and you know you punch in you punch out and you're talented but I mean there then there's guys like yourself that that genuinely love it like you you mm -hmm. kind of have I would think he'd have to love it with the physicality that's involved in the violence and getting your head ripped off. I think some guy, I think guys love it. And I think, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I think that guys don't realize, even if guys think they don't, when they leave, they realize how much they missed it and how much they miss uh, being a huddle. And it doesn't matter what part of the game you love, right? Like um, I guess I love the competing part of uh, the, the, um, the hitting part of the game. Uh, obviously, I love. I used to love the chess match. I used to love studying defenses, uh, trying to figure out what they were doing to me, trying to get an edge on them. I used to love that part of it. But um, you know, whether you love the locker room, whether you love being in the huddle with the guys, uh, eventually, when you leave, you're gonna miss something about this game, man, and you're gonna miss it. And 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 you're not gonna find it anywhere else. You're not gonna find seventy thousand screaming fans. You're not gonna find uh, airplanes flying over your head. And you can't go into Starbucks to form rip somebody. So uh, that's all a problem. 
I love it. Well, hey, I know I know we got a couple Bears fans in here too. Okay. Jason Jordan just stumbled in here. He's a went to college with him. I know he's he's a massive Bears fan. Let's hear it, Jason. Oh, I'm terribly underprepared, and my wife is making all kinds of noise putting groceries away. So, well, I had, to put, you, I had to put you on the spot. I got, had to do it. I got a family of, yeah. uh, of six kids here at home, so don't worry about the noise in your house. I'm good. <laughs> all right. Well, come back to me, and I'll have something good. I promise. <laughs> so, Olin, um, I remember watching you and thinking, thank God the Bills weren't playing you twice a year because I always thought you were, like, tough as nails always played to the whistle. I would always say that guy, man, he's, if, if we played against him all the time, I would say he was cheap, but you were always <laughs> playing to the whistle. You always, I, I remember seeing you clearing off piles, you know, and all, all that type of stuff. But so to look at you now, I could, could never imagine that you're a player. What are you doing to stay in shape? And, you know, did you have a struggle to stay at playing weight? You know, it's funny about, first of all, the Buffalo Bills in the year 2000. I don't know if you remember, their nose guard was Ted Washington. But what a lot of people don't remember is who their backup was. So the backup that year to Ted Washington was Pat Williams. Okay? So that was the one, probably the hardest game I ever played in the NFL because when Ted went to take a break, Pat Williams came in, and Pat obviously was learning from Ted, and Ted eventually came over to the Bears, and uh, by no accident, that year was my first Pro Bowl year because I'd go against Ted in practice. And if you ask me, Ted should be in the Hall of Fame, uh, 18 years playing in the NFL. I think one year in Buffalo, I think he had like 120 solo tackles as a zero nose guard. Uh, that's insanity, man. You know what I mean? I think uh, Spielman was playing behind him and John Holosek. And actually, John Holosek is my son's coach now at Loyola. Anyway, um, that's a long story, but... Uh, so, yeah, it's, I, I starve a lot now. You know, I try, to bring my, I try to keep my weight down. I was actually, if you can believe, I was 290 as a junior in high school. And I would lose weight to 275 to wrestle and get my weight back up. So I was heavy. I think I was over 250 by my sophomore year in high school already. Pretty much uh, my senior in high school, about 285, 290, uh, kept that weight all the way through my career. Uh, so, so, you know, cutting down on meals obviously is a lot uh, – you know, low-level cardio, all the stuff you learn about, right, that you have to do different than you did as a football player. Obviously, there's no uh, camp, you know, um, drink 12 beers and eat two Whoppers and eat chicken nuggets and zesty sauce. I used to love the zesty sauce from Burger King uh, at camp in Kankakee. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work that goes into it. But um, like you guys know, uh, it's no mystery, right? You got to eat less and you got to move more. So uh, that's pretty much what I do now. I own a private gym. I uh, train kids and some NFL players. Uh, so I get to get a workout in there a, a lot of the times and just kind of just kind of try to stay up on my health because I realize I'm in a marathon now, man. I'm trying to get to the finish line. I, I know what a lot of former players look like, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and hopefully um, trying to beat that stereotype, trying to stay up, trying to stay healthy, trying to keep moving. Can you just elaborate a little bit on Ted Washington too? I mean, you're oh, right. Man. He is one of the more underrated players in the history of the game i mean what what made him such a force in there first of all i i, I understand the thing i'll say first because i i don't want to um take away from his game he, he was extremely smart okay he understood the game and he understood uh by what formation you were in what play you want to run so ted was a student of the game he was a student in how you were trying to block him 
And that's how he would coach me up on, okay, Olin, that works. This doesn't work. But obviously he was a massive man. I mean, he was 400 pounds, right? And I think, you know, they had, they had a weight for Ted, but I think he, Ted was a good negotiator. So he'd negotiate with the strength coach. And I think his weight was 380, but uh, I don't think Ted ever really made that weight. And I think Ted, you'd have to ask Ted, but I think I remember um, he was left-handed. And if you can understand that now, when you snap the ball, Ted's left hand sticks to that side, right? He would play almost two or three yards off the ball. And it was almost, even when you block Ted, he was, he was, he wasn't, he wasn't blocked, right? He, he was going to, he was going to make the play, you know, he covered about three gaps. Uh, but I remember one thing I learned from him uh, that I used throughout my whole career is that with big guys, you have to block them in stages. And by that, I mean, with Ted, I had to almost on run plays. I wasn't going for his chest. I knew I had to hit his elbow and work my way into his body and then work him off the ball. So um, he was a tough man, a block man. And uh, like I said, stopping the run meant a lot to him. I remember him coming in the locker room and he was just screaming at Erlacher. Like, if I'm going to hold all these guys up, you better make the effing play. So it was cool. But you guys remember that defense now was Keith Trailer, right? Trailer was yeah. a big man also. Uh, was Brian Robinson, rest in peace, Brian Robinson, uh, he passed away. Philip Daniels, right? Philip Daniels came from Seattle. Uh, Rose, anyway, that defense gave up, I think, under 12 points a game. I'd have to go back and look. Uh, but they were extremely good. Greg Bloch was a defensive coordinator. Um, but anyway, uh, like you just said, I mean, Ted was good in Buffalo. Uh, he was good for us. Uh, I remember we won, a, we won a game that year. We weren't very good for a while. The Bears weren't. I got here in 98. And everybody was so excited. It was like the second or third week of the year. And Ted screamed at us. And he was like, you guys need to act like you, you expect to win a, pre, a regular season game. This is not the Super Bowl. So he kind of changed our culture, kind of taught some of us, uh, me included, uh, Brian Erlacher. He taught us how to be leaders. He taught us how to lead in the locker room. And uh, just, I mean, I, I, I could rave about Ted Washington for an hour. I love it. I, I can't get past the fact that dude's a, it's 400 pounds. Like, how do you play 50, 60 snaps a game? Like, oh, and he was a wrestler. You know what I mean? And he was a wrestler. And he didn't play in the, you know, I think, gosh, what was it? What was the um, Albert Hainsworth, right? Albert Hainsworth for the Titans. He was a guy, if I remember correctly, they started playing these guys. Like, he played like 15 plays a game and got like 20 million a year or something yeah. way back in the day. Albert was a monster. I think it was Albert Hainsworth for the mm -hmm. Titans. Maybe not. But um, he, you know, Ted wasn't one of those guys. Ted played, he played like you're saying, he played 50, 60, 70 plays a game, man. He was, he, he was something. Man, well, I'll shut the hell up. I know, I know we got other people here. <laughs> All right, hey, now I'm ready. Oh, sorry. Hit me with it, man. When you are. All right, so uh, could you give us your thoughts on the prospect of the Bears moving out of Soldier Field? And kind of paint that picture of what it's like to play there. Is it set up well for today's game or are the rumors true? And also, do you believe in ghosts and is that place haunted? <laughs> I, I don't know about it being haunted, but um, I'll tell you this. I, I, I would prefer to play in the city of Chicago, obviously. I mean, um, that's where I played 13 years in my career. Uh, there's something about being a Chicago bear, obviously, but uh, politics always get involved. Money always wins, right? So uh, now I think, you know, my best guess is that the fact that gambling is legal now 
why wouldn't an NFL team build a stadium and build a casino uh, right next to the stadium and just make as much money as, as they would want to make. But me preferably uh, love playing the city of Chicago, love the skyline, love driving down there. Uh, obviously the history of the Chicago bears and just being in that stadium. Uh, that's what I would prefer. But uh, you know, when you have a mayor and, and, a, and a team president and, and money's always the bottom line, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, right, you, said you, didn't know, nice. you said you didn't know it was haunted, but do you believe in ghosts? No, I don't. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> really? You don't believe in ghosts? I don't. Okay, all right. Why? Why, Owen? I, I, I don't know why. Um, I just have so much going on, really. I just don't even contemplate that in my mind most of the time. So uh, I'm sure even if a ghost is right next to me now, I don't have, I don't have time for him. He's got to leave me alone, man. I just, I got things I got to do. I like it. So let me, let me ask a question. You talk about, you know, you keep going back to your six kids. You, you just dropped one off to Illinois. You got one playing in Loyola. What is it like to look at, to look at your boys and, Think that there's a, even if it's a little prospect, what is it like to you to be able to turn back and say, if these boys do it right, they could be in the league too? What is it like to be able to sit back and, and watch everything unfold? Well, it's awesome, to be honest with you. It's, it's, it's awesome that like you can't force people to play this game, right? This is a tough game. Uh, like I said, I was a football player and a wrestler, and, and they both are uh, football players and wrestlers, and they enjoy it. They love the game. Uh, my older one, my younger one, will be a linebacker this year for the same high school. So so they love the game. Um, and that, for me, uh, I was lucky. I was lucky. And, and you know, I get, they train with me in the weight room now, so I have to spend a lot of time with them. And you can teach them life, life lessons through football, right? And, and a lot of times these kids nowadays – uh, they don't get out and socialize very much. They play a lot of video games. They're always on their iPads and their iPhones. Uh, but when they get in that huddle and they get around coaches and uh, they have to learn how to talk to people and how to work together to a common goal, uh, that's really what you're looking for in football now. And people have asked me for years, uh, do I think my boys will play in the NFL? The hell if I know. You know, I really don't know. Uh, that's not why we're playing the game. And I told them they have two requirements for me when they play this game. Uh, they're going to play it the right way. They're going to play it hard. Uh, you know, my, my older boy knows as an old lineman, like uh, I got accused of earlier of running down the field and clearing the piles. Uh, that's required. That's required or you better not come home, right? So, so this is what we do. And, you know, I mean, that's just, to me, uh, that teaches life and, and that teaches uh, everything you need to be successful. Uh, say whatever job you take, you can take football to it. So uh, I enjoyed them playing football. I'm lucky they did. And, you know, just to answer your question simply, for me, it's awesome. I think Dan or Derek was chiming in there, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry if I interrupt or interrupted one of you guys. No worries. I think that was Dan. I didn't say anything yet. I, I haven't said anything yet either, but I did want to follow up on what you just said there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, can, he, can any of your boys outlift you yet? Have you gotten there? Where, <laughs> yeah, uh, they can. My older one definitely can. <laughs> Sucks, man. You know, I talk a lot of trash, man. So when, when, when they outlift me, they're happy about it, right? So uh, when I outlift them, they hear about it constantly. So I'm just looking for one lift a day where I can get something. Um, 
you know, uh, obviously you guys know how long I played. So, you know, I got things I deal with to get heavy weights up, but, but I go for it just to compete with them. But, but, but simply, quite simply, yes, he does. And if he sees this, he'd be very happy that you asked that. <laughs> <laughs> Clear in the pile. I mean, like the, you got to be a little dirty, right? Mm -hmm. You, you got to have that element to your game. We, we got to hear a couple war stories. What, what's something that happened in the trenches that, uh, you know, you can talk about now that you probably couldn't talk about then? Well, I, I will tell you guys this. I, I used to have this little thing I used to like to do where I act like I was falling, but I was actually mean guys in the ribs on the pile. And um, I thought it was cute, you know, uh, you know, at that time. And the game was totally different back then, right? I mean, it was a give and take. But uh, I think Colin Cole was his name for the Packers. Good nose guard. I, I, I don't know yeah. if he ever started, but he backed up. And tough guy, tough player. And one day he, he caught me with the same move, okay, on the pile. And that thing hurt like hell, man. So, <laughs> so it was one of those things, like, I don't know if, you, like, your parents, they hit you with something. And if they accidentally hit themselves and they, they realize they shouldn't be using that. I kind of realized at that moment, maybe I shouldn't be using that knee to people's ribs. <laughs> so you, you make it look like you're, what did you say? You make it look like you're like just you're kinda, falling, right? Yeah. Someone's on the ground and they're looking like this and you kind of fall on a pile and drop your knee kind of right on that, you know, that part where it does, the, there's no meat covering, right? There's yeah. no meat covering those, they call it that floating rib there. And uh, I used to catch people there and, and you could tell, you know, I took some wind out of them for a little while. You know, you're always trying to get body blows on these monsters that, that we played against. Uh, um, but, you know, and, and another one I, I do remember, and it's funny because you, you more remember when guys got you than when you got people. But um, I remember we got a quarterback sneak on the Steelers. I think it was 2005. Casey Hampton uh, was a nose guard. And this guy was, gosh, man, he was a handful. But um, I, I, I don't know. I didn't even know where to block him, to be honest. <laughs> he was so huge. But, um we got in. I obviously, you know, I had, had a few words about getting the quarterback sneak for him and, you know, that he couldn't stop me. And so the next quarterback sneak, we lined up. And of course, you know, when you talk like that, eventually you're getting the fourth in inches again, right? Because you're, you're, you know, now Casey's fired up. And he hit me with a forearm rip to my face mask. And I, I, I got to find the film. I, I know I have the film. He knocked me out. I was out for about 10 seconds. Yeah, he knocked, that's how strong that dude was. Like so a, a concussion uh, a right to the head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if it was a concussion, but I went out and uh, it, it was something, man. I, that guy was a powerful man. Was there an adversary? Like, was there a, a familiar foe that you just went at it with several times? Yeah, Pat Williams. You? Pat Williams, we yeah. ended up in Minnesota. We, we went at it a lot. Um, he had a lot of good games against me, to be perfectly honest. Now that I'm away from the game. Uh, he was a handful. Uh, whenever we played against Pat, you know, the, the funny thing was, the strength in my game was probably my quickness, you know, my, my angles, my speed, my leverage. Uh, but every time we, you know, for all my years in, in Chicago, we were a power running team. So we ran right at the nose guard, right? We ran downhill. Uh, we, we didn't really have per se like a Kyle Shanahan outside zone scheme. I remember uh, going to the pro bowl when Alex Gibbs, I don't know if you guys know that name, yeah. but Alex Gibbs is the, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say the architect of the outside zone because I don't want to get to an argument with all kinds of people calling me. But uh, since I know so many offensive line coaches, they're telling me they made it up and I made it up. But anyway, a lot of Alex egos, a lot of most egos. Famous old line coach for the outside zone and the Broncos and uh, Mike Shanahan's scheme. And Alex was my um, old line coach in the Pro Bowl for the uh, for that year, the Falcons lost the NFC Championship game with Vic. 
And he said, he looked at me, he was like, man, only if we had you in the outside zone scheme. And I told him, I said, that's what I'd love to play in. You know, just run side to side and reach guys. But uh, that wasn't my, you know, I, I didn't get to do that. So we ran power roll, we ran Bob, ISO, uh, inside zone. And that's right up Pat's alley, right? And, and you got to move Pat Williams uh, if you're going to run those plays. So, I mean, I think one game he had 10 tackles against me for a nose guard. That is something, man. But he was hard to move. He was very hard to move. He, he had fast feet. He played backside. He'd make the play. But we went at it. You know, uh, I think he called me overrated one game. Uh, the funny thing about Pat is we went on the field and you would talk trash to him. Um, I, I think, he, you know, he, he had a problem. And he would stutter sometimes. So he couldn't really get it out back at you. But so on the field, there wasn't much back and forth. But uh, off the field in the papers, um, uh, there was always a lot of talking and there was always a lot of bad feelings. Um, even to the point of one time we were talking so much trash against each other. Uh, Lovey Smith, we were, I think this is 2005. We had the Panthers, but we had a buy and Lovey uh, told me he wanted to keep me out of the game uh, because I had an ankle, I had an ankle injury the week before. And Lovey said that I want to keep you out of the game. I don't want, you know, I don't want these guys taking dirty shots at you. And I said, Lovey over my dead body. Over my dead body, am I going to sit out of this game? You are not keeping me out of this game. I'm playing against Pat Williams. I don't care if this game means nothing. I will not sit out against him. Hey, Owen, was it Pat Williams who accused you of uh, calling other players to keep him out of the Pro, Pro, Pro Bowl? Um, he might have been. Pat always would say those things about the Pro Bowl. And to be honest, Pat belonged in the Pro Bowl. And if he knew, if he knew anything, he knew my vote went to him. Uh, but you know, either your past pass rushes get to the pro bowl, right? Pat, Pat never had sacks. It's kind of like, um, Ted Washington. We talked earlier about Ted not being in the hall of fame. That's the problem, right? The guys only look at sack numbers and getting to the quarterback. And, you know, if you look at the pro bowl, uh, I can't find the last time a, a run stuffer, a guy who just stuffed the run was in there, but I'm sure it was him. I'm sure he, he always had something to say about me and, and, and I'm sure he accused me. Um, if, if he, if he, if he knew anything, he knew a lot of people, a lot of people didn't like me. So if I actually called and said that they may actually vote for him. <laughs> hey, well, I'm a, a huge fan and love the no name podcast too. So keep up with the good work there. Uh, my question for you here is what would be your preference for the starting five offensive linemen for the bears this year? knowing just what we know now. Well, first of all, I appreciate you saying that about the no-name podcast. Uh, we enjoy Jason McKee does a great job also, my partner on there. So, um, But my starting five this year, I mean, I hope Tevin Jenkins is who they think he is. I hope they can move him to left tackle because uh, they have a bunch of right tackles on their roster. They don't have a left tackle on their roster right now. They have Tevin Jenkins, and that's about it. If you ask me, uh, Alex Bars is their next best left tackle if you look at their depth. I don't think Elijah Wilkins is a left tackle, and Jermaine Effetti definitely is not a left tackle. He proved that in Seattle. So uh, that guy is a key. Tevin Jenkins, their draft pick is a key to that line coming together. Uh, I'd like to see Cody stay at left guard. I thought he played at a high level last year. That they moved him there, and um, I thought Cody Whitehair didn't have to think as much anymore. I thought that he could just play guard, and I thought he was dominant there. I'd like to see Sam Mustafer. Now, listen, I'm going to give you my bias here. Uh, Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars training my gym. I'm not going to lie to anybody. I've been training them for years. Uh, obviously, you're only going to hear me say good things about them. I've known them. Harry, Harry Heastan is a very good friend of mine, and he had me down in Notre Dame through those guys' young years, and, and they, they kind of stayed with me through the time. So uh, I think Sam Mustafer is really good, though. I think he processes information at center. Uh, I think he can really help. I think, he's, I think Nagy said he was looking for a multiplier. 
uh, in his offensive huddle. By, by that, he means he wants guys who makes guys better. And I think Sam's one of those guys. I think he makes Cody Whitehair better because uh, he gets everybody lined up and going in the right direction. I think he's going to keep improving. I, I like to see James Daniels at right guard. I thought James is their best player last year. I thought he was their second best player on offense before he got hurt. I think he has pro bowl talent. I think he can be an all pro player. And that's what that line needs. They need guys to get a lot better and play at a pro bowl level. And then probably Jermaine Effetti at right tackle would be, would be their best five, would be their, the guys they got to go with. Obviously, Jermaine always has to show that he's going to stay in shape, that he's going to stay, uh, you know, he's going to stay part of the plan and part of the process and make himself better every week. But for right now, when I look at it, that's their starting five. I don't really think there's any argument. And I think that Tevin Jenkins is the key, man. He's got to be able to play left tackle. Thanks. That's a short answer for you. (laughs) (laughs) Real quick, before I forget, too, I found a Chicago Tribune article from 2005 here. Uh, Pat Williams's agent suggested that Kroots mounted a conspiracy against Williams, <laughs> who never has been picked to the Pro Bowl. And, and quote, I wish I had that kind of power, Kroots said. I'd put all my teammates in the Pro Bowl. I must have made him mad, stole his cheeseburger or something. So <laughs> I thought I remembered that. Great line. Yeah. Yeah, listen, man. I mean, and like I said, we laughed so hard in a meeting about it because Ruben Brown was a really good friend of Pat Williams from Buffalo. And Ruben had known that I had voted for Pat for the Pro Bowl. And he was like, he's so stupid, man. Why why would they say (laughs) something? I said, well, I I mean, but I I think at that time he was trying to get into the Pro Bowl and, and, you know, like uh, any coverage is good coverage, right? So uh, just mention and try to get yourself votes. And hey, look, Nick, if you ask me, the dude belonged in the Pro Bowl. So I had no problem with it. I do think he was mad about one less cheeseburger, though. That's that's also a possibility. <laughs> that was quick. It's good to get a little jab in there, right? Keep it going. Uh, man, people always ask me, oh, um, you do radio now. You do all this stuff. And I say, man, the gym I grew up in, my grandfather had a gym. We trained under his house for years. And Dominic Raiola, I don't know if you guys remember the name. Dominic Raiola was the lion center for 14 years. Uh, he was my best friend. We grew up about two houses from each other. Wow. So I've known Dominic since I was five. Right. So what are the chances of two best friends both playing 14 years in the NFL at center? Uh, but we've known each other all year. His mom and dad are like my second mom and dad. But um, so we trained there for years, man. And, and I just uh, that gym, man, if you didn't have comebacks, you just got torn to pieces. Right. So we were talking trash constantly. Uh, my uncle, my uncle Bruce, my mom's brother, that guy, I just went home and he was firing on all of us relentlessly. So uh, you know, comebacks and talking trash and all that kind of stuff. Um, th- that, that was old hat for me. <laughs> I, I wish Owen, we had more of that. I love it. Sorry, Don. Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say, like you were talking to your, about your boys, either they're ball players or they're football players. Um, what's mm-hmm. it like when you have a guy like on your team or even on the line with you who is not putting forth the effort or have has the intestinal fortitude that you believe is required to play the game. How, how do you deal with that? Like, do you address it in the locker room? Do you just let it go and say, that's the way the guy is or in like, here, you want to win. And this guy just wants to check. Well, it's, it's a really good question. Right. And, and uh, it's frustrating, first of all, uh, first and foremost, but, but there's a lot of things that go on in a lot of guys' lives. And I, and I think uh, to be honest with you, 100% honest with you, I probably handle it handled it in a lot of different ways while I played. Right. And, and some were, some was probably wrong. 
A lot of it was, you know, teasing and, and talking trash to guys and trying to get them fired up, trying to get them going. Uh, but every guy's different. And, and you got to find if a guy's in the NFL, if you're talking about just the NFL, now high school's a totally different situation in college. But if you're talking about the NFL, every, every guy's there for a reason. These guys are high level guys. Now, you don't make it there by being a bad football player. So uh, you got to find what does motivate them. Uh, you got to find it. not every guy you can treat the same. Some guys you get in their ass, right, and that works. Some guys you do that and they go into a, to a shell and then you don't get anything out of them. So uh, you got to figure out what works for them. Some guys, uh, they don't care until you show them you care about them. So sometimes you got to do that too, and that's just part of being a leader. And, and that's, the great, that's the great thing about the game of football is that uh, it teaches you how to deal with all kinds of people. But uh, to answer your question, it's frustrating, man. It's, it's, it really is frustrating when someone – is not giving what you think is their all. But usually if you do some research, talk to them, sit down, uh, there's a reason. And if you can get to the bottom of it and they get the best out of them, uh, that's how you win a lot of ball games. And you're seeing a guy who, in my opinion, is probably the best winner of all time uh, in Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. That is his special skill. And you can see him. You can see him do it. You can see him raise everybody's level around him. Obviously, he's a great quarterback. But, um, you know, at the end of the Super Bowl, uh, I remember they were talking to him and he said, uh, talk to these, that's enough with me. Talk to these guys behind me, right? They're the reason we won. And that right there shows you why he wins Super Bowls. I mean, Olin, I, I talked to Tim Jennings recently kind of about that all. And, you know, he played with Peyton Manning and then he played with Jay Cutler and basically everything you're saying that he said that Peyton Manning was that and that on the defensive side of the ball, he didn't get that sense from, from Jay. I mean, you played with Jay, you guys crossed over a couple of years. Mm -hmm. I mean, was he lacking that? I mean, was there just a leadership? When, when I was, was when I was there, and I can't speak for the whole time he was in Chicago, right? But I, when I was there, yes, he he was um, lacking that part of his game. And I, you know, some of it, I don't know if he was trying to find his way. Uh, we had a lot of guys in that locker room who were there for a while, right? And we were there, but uh, that that part was lacking. But but some of it also was that uh, Jay had all the physical skills. Uh, but, you know, these guys, too, like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, uh, they, they do what I like to call they live in the matrix now. They see things you don't see, and they see within 10 seconds, okay? And, and the thing about everybody at this level, you put them on a grease board, and they're extremely smart, and they'll give you every detail of the play, and if the defense does this, this is what I got to do. But in, on the field, the thing is constantly moving, right? The defenses are constantly shifting. There's all kinds of shit going on. And Jay, you know, he wasn't one of those guys. He didn't live in the Matrix. And, and that, that, to me, if you ask me why he didn't win a lot, uh, was, his, was why, what held him back. And, and some of it, to be honest, man, I don't know. I don't know if you can teach people that. That's why there's only two or three of them in the league every year, right? Right now, uh, you say Rodgers, Mahomes, uh, Brady, Breeze retired. Um, there's just not a lot of guys who can do that. So, uh, yeah, leadership comes with it. But look, man, if you're winning – if you're really good, that goes to leadership. Uh, if, if you're frustrating guys by not getting the ball to the right place, uh, you don't know where the blitz is coming from. You don't know how to redirect the line on a blitz. You don't know how to protect yourself. And then all of a sudden it turns into, okay, this is his fault. Well, why didn't the quarterback know? And it just turns into a finger-pointing festival. And then, then at the end of the day, all it was was he couldn't do those things. Were guys pissed yeah. that he didn't? tough it out in that NFC championship game. I mean, that, that's I don't always so. a touchy thing. Yeah. I, know, I, don't, I don't think so. I think, I think guys thought he was injured. I think guys thought he injured his MCL. You know, I, I think, um, 
I think some guys wanted him uh, to come back to get in the game, um, to, to give it another shot. But I, but I think he did. I, I don't know if, you know, I played that game. If you ask me honestly, 100% honestly, if I held that against him, it's no. Uh, I thought his knee was hurt. I thought his knee was injured. Um, in the first half, I think he missed two or three touchdown passes that bunked a lot of guys, right? You know, we, we are offensively, we obviously struggled in that game against a very good defense. I think they only gave up 11 points a game too. Uh, that Green Bay defense, I think, was number one in the league. They were excellent. That's why we went to Green Bay uh, already in the number two seed and tried to knock them out. Lovey didn't want them in the playoffs because of that defense. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was good, but that defense was superb, man. They were really, really good. Uh, Charles Woodson, B.J. Raji, I mean, you name them, they had them. Uh, Ryan Pickett, Clay Matthews, they just had all kinds of dudes on that defense. So um, they were good. Uh, they were shutting us down. Uh, uh, Capers had a great plan for us. Uh, but but that 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 question, nah, he was injured that game. Uh, you'd like to see a guy give it more, but I think he did. And, you know, I have an MCL before, and it's, it's a frustrating injury. Mm. And to be honest with you, I missed four weeks because it's not really painful, but you can't plant. You can't plan on your leg. You, 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 you can't put any weight on it. Uh, the thing gives out. I used to describe it like uh, uh, it's like a, your legs doing a hula, right? It's like the knee just keeps going back and forth. So um, I missed, you know, that's why I, when, when I heard it was an MCL, I was like, well, that I understand. I think I missed in 90. No, 99 is my first year. Sorry. So in 2000, I missed a bunch of games for an MCL. Oh, I tore both MCLs that year to a second or third degree. So I missed a bunch of games that year. I had an MCL before, so so I kind of understood that. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tricky injury. As, as it's a strange. weird injury. And, yeah. and Caleb Caleb Haney brought you back, I guess, right? He, he did, gave you the man. best chance. We were on that, um, and I think Lovey was going to go for it. From what I understand, you'd have to ask Lovey, but um, I think he decided that he didn't want to go into overtime with the Packers. So we were going to go for two. I think we we're on. We we were inside the thirty. I know yeah. that. And we were running um, double slants with Johnny Knox and Devin Hester, if I remember correctly. Uh, 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 skinny post, I'm sorry. And I think uh, Haney looked off of, we were supposed to go to Hess, Devin Hester. And Haney looked away because Charles Woodson was on him. Well, Woodson fell down. So he's wide open in the end zone to tie, to, tie, to tie the game or go for the win. And that's how close it is, right? I mean, like you're saying, I mean, as good as that Green Bay team was, uh, we were with the back with our third string quarterback because you remember now Collins came yeah. in too, right? Yeah. Um, and he came in there, uh, typical of my Bears career, snapping at three guys in one game. But uh, he came in there, and <laughs> you eventually start to think it's you, right? Like, gosh, it must be me, man. But uh, he came in there, and Caleb played tough, man. He played really good football. Uh, uh, brought us brought us back in that game, and really, if not his uh, pick six to BJ Raji. Uh, we're up in that game, right? That's how good our defense played, right? We only lost by one, but their defense scored a touchdown. You're right. Uh, oh, yeah. I want to take Christian in a little bit of a different direction because this question has been bugging me. You know, you played on the offensive side of the ball. You, you were a center. You know, you've been out for a little while now. Let me Let me ask you this. How does a guy or how has a guy like Khalil Mack change the National Football League in the way it's played? Well, Khalil Mack's a great player, right? So um, that guy is just, 
Uh, he's a special talent, man. Strong as they come, uh, hard to block. So, you know, I, I don't know. Um, he's just unbelievable, really. So, do you think a guy like him, do you think people like him are not necessarily the same talent level, but just the same play style? Do you think that that play style change the way the game is played at that level? Oh, yeah, for sure. He, uh, he, he changes every game, and, and you have to confirm. I watched the Rams uh, basically change their whole game plan just for Khalil Mack. They, they couldn't block him, and they knew it, right? And they, when he would go off the field, uh, they would run their offense. And then when he come back on the field, they'd run a whole other version of the offense with two tight ends blocking him with the right tackle because they knew if they left him alone, he would actually wreck their whole game plan. So he changes the whole game. Uh, he makes the Bears defense that much better than they are. And when you match him up with Akeem Hicks, I mean, I, I remember uh, they played the Cowboys one year, and I was sitting in the stands because they had they honored Erlacher at halftime. So I was sitting in the stands with Garza, Roberto Garza. I don't know if you guys remember the name, but Roberto Garza played for the Falcons, played for us for 10 years, a really good football player. Um, I looked at him, and I said, I would not want to block those two animals. Like, you, what do you, you don't have an answer for those two guys because Akeem Hicks – is a monster in his own right. Now you got them right next to each other. And when they run a TE and Khalil Mack comes around that side, I mean, I'll be honest with you as a center, man, I think I'm cutting him at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, and I got a question for you. Mm -hmm. So uh, for the Super Bowl game, you guys, uh, you guys got two touchdowns in the first quarter. So I'm wondering how you guys felt with the momentum that you guys started to build up. And then um, how did that eventually end up to you guys not getting back into the end zone the rest of the game? That's a really good question. And to be honest with you, it's one of the very few games uh, that I haven't brought myself to go back and really watch the whole thing because it hurts like hell losing that game. But uh, Devin Hester takes that opening kickoff back, man. I mean, you, you just you just think we're going to win this game. But it's funny, as an analyst now, um, when I study, like, Super Bowls and how teams get to Super Bowls and what teams win Super Bowls, uh, you start to realize our chances of being a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback uh, were, are very low, right? Those are the guys who win a Super Bowl. You go through the years. I think Foles, the last 10 years, I think Foles uh, is the only guy who's, who's kind of an odd odd guy there who won the Super Bowl, but he didn't even play the whole year. Uh, and then Baltimore, um, Flacco would be the other one. Other than that, you're yeah. looking at Hall of Fame quarterbacks. They want them every other year since like 2008 or 2007 or something. They might even go farther back than that. I just haven't studied it that far back. But um, then, we, you know, we bust out a 60-yard run with Thomas Jones, right? And really, we leave that game with Thomas averaging seven yards a carry, right? So uh, we ran the ball well. Uh, we ran the ball well all through the playoffs. Um, I would have to go back to give you an honest answer on that and really watch the film and break it down and see what happened to us and, and what they did. I know Bob Sanders, of uh, their safety, we ran a weak side zone play out of nickel. Uh, he was 12 yards off the line of scrimmage, and this guy obviously was all pro that year. Uh, he ended up making a tackle two yards behind the line of scrimmage and causing a fumble on Cedric Benson. I think Cedric hurt his knee. And that was a big part of our, our offense, that, that, uh, that, the, that two-man run game with Cedric Benson and Thomas Jones. So uh, losing Ced early, 
uh, said went out, I think, in the first or second quarter, uh, really changed the game plan. We made a run, that whole run. If you look at the stats for there, uh, obviously Thomas Jones, a, a really good running back, went on even to the Jets and had a great, great, uh, great couple, two or three years. Um, Cedric was getting about 20 carries a game. And he was a hammer now. Cedric was a horse. Another guy, rest in peace. But yeah. uh, he was a horse, man. He was a horse. And he hammered defenses. And he wore them out. I used to, guys, if I knew Cedric was behind me in the first quarter, I would block the nose guard and then let him go off and, and hit Cedric. Because that would wear him out. He took mm-hmm. Vince Wilford out of the game in New England. He hit him. That's how hard Cedric Benson ran the ball. It was unbelievable. Wow. He, he had a hot minute in Green Bay when I was covering the Packers at the Journal Sentinel. And, like, if he didn't get injured, I think it was, like, week three or four, he got hurt. He, he was going to be a monster that year. Oh, yeah. I mean, Remember he, with the Bengals? He had a great couple of years with the Bengals, man. Dang. He was – he just um, – he never really got going with us for all kinds of reasons. But but when he ran the ball – and I, it just like you're saying, the year they traded Thomas, which wasn't a good trade, but they traded Thomas Jones to the Jets – Cedric was, I think we were playing the Giants. This might have been the year they won the Super Bowl. And Cedric had 100-plus yards rushing. Yeah, and then he, he broke was, his fibula. Wow. That was the year they won the Super Bowl. And I, mm-hmm. I looked at that stat the other day. I was like, what is this guy? <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, was a, he was a strange personality, obviously. <laughs> yep. Like, a, a little different. A little different well, dude. Well, welcome to the NFL, right? Welcome <laughs> to the NFL, yeah. But he had the talent. He had the talent. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, I got about five more minutes here, so give it to me. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for hanging this long, Olin. You're, you're the sure, man. man. I don't, I don't want I to take up random one. Go ahead. Go ahead. So on social media, you'd see uh, memes of Jay Cutler, like, smoking a cigarette or just, like, jokes about him not living, like, the healthiest lifestyle. <laughs> from your, from your uh, period of time with him, what do you, what do you got to say about that? Could you uh, – About you Jay living a healthy lifestyle? Yeah, like I mean, was he I think a he player? Did. I think he, like, I think he did. Now I didn't, I didn't really follow him that closely about uh, what he is eating and stuff. But you know, I think he has diabetes, right? So I think he had to. You know, I think he had to live a, like a, a different health style, and I think he did take care of himself, and uh, he stayed in, in, in decent shape. I think those, those. I, I don't want to say this wrong. I am forty-four years old. So is it memes or memes or, yeah, uh, memes. or whatever, memes or whatever they're called? Yeah. Uh, I think. Those are more like his attitude, right? Like the smoking the cigarettes, like, you know, Jay doesn't give a shit about much, which yeah. <laughs> so, sometimes that, that part was true. Yes. <laughs> As you can see, even with his reality show, he doesn't care about much, you know, but uh, Jay, Jay was not, uh, um, uh, I don't want to make him, he was not a bad human being at all. You know, he's just, uh, you know, just football wise. And you trade that much for somebody, you're just hoping they're, you know, they're taking you to the promised land. And so I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. So can Nagy turn everything around? And is Justin Fields the answer? Um, I guess my answer to you there is I hope on both of those. I, I don't know much. I, you know, I don't get a lot of college films, so I don't get to watch Justin Fields. I know he's an amazing talent. I know his background. I know how I said I watched him struggle against Northwestern and what Pat Fitzgerald did to him there in that game. Uh, Pat runs a lot of NFL concepts and he struggled against that. So it'd be interesting when he gets to the NFL um, coach Nagy. Now uh, he came here as an offensive guy. He came here to fix the offense. Obviously uh, he came here as a quarterback whisperer. Uh, they've had a lot of quarterback coaches in that building. 
Um, you know, I think they set the world record the last three years for the amount of quarterback coaches they actually had in the building. Uh, Mr. Bisky is not here anymore. I don't know who you blame for that lack of development. Uh, they are since 2014. They played the Rams in week four, uh, 2018. They played the Rams in week 14 in 38, 39 games. They're averaging less than 18 points a game. That's a problem. They can't score points. Uh, so Coach Nagy's got to eventually figure out that offense if he's going to be the guy here. And, and you know, you can't sell me that this defense is going to be better uh, without Vic Fangio, without Chuck Pagano. Love it. Love it. Hey, la last one for you, Olin. Just, mm -hmm. just in the media, I'm just fascinated by it as a longtime bear, a legend, you know, one of the best players in team history. Like when you're on the score, when you're on NBC Chicago, like do you, do you feel like what you just said there is, is awesome to hear because it's, it's what you believe it's, mm -hmm. it's real. It's raw. Can you be like that all, all the time? Like, do you, or do you feel like since I played for the bears, I kind of have to maybe cushion this cushion that like, how do you approach your job on the dark side with us in the media? Yeah. I, I don't think I cushion it because I play for the bears. I think you cushion it because you know how hard they're working. Right. And even though someone may not be doing a great job and also, you know, how hard it is, what they're trying to do. Right. It's not easy. Uh, to win in the NFL. It's not easy to win a Super Bowl. I know how many hours these guys put in. Coach Nagy now, uh, this guy probably knows more about football and offensive concepts uh, than you could imagine. I mean, I know what the kind of work he puts in. So that's, that's more why you cushion it because you know what they're doing there. Uh, you know what kind of life they're living. You know they're giving everything they got to try to win for the city. And at the same time, you're trying to balance that with being honest and where you think they're getting it wrong. So mm -hmm. uh, the cushioning is not the cushioning for me is not because I was a former bear. Uh, the cushioning for me is because I'm a former ball player. Uh, the really, I do radio and I do TV because I don't want to do the work coaches do in that building. Right. So they do hours <laughs> and hours of work and hours and hours of film study. And uh, I come on there and I criticize them and I got the easiest job in the world. Right. I, I point out what they did wrong, but um, you cushion it because like you guys know, uh, if you spend any time and you ever done anything, I coached little league football for almost 10 years. Uh, you ever done anything in football. Um, you put together a game plan and it's just little league. Gosh, did I call a lot of wrong plays? Does it take a lot of time to get them to do the right thing to install offenses, to come up with a plan to do a chess match on the field. So anyway, a lot of respect for what they do, but you still got to be honest. Love it. Love it. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us on a Friday night, Olam. You got six kids and you're hanging out with us, degenerates. So uh, we, we appreciate it. We appreciate no problem, it. Man. All, so you gotta do, all you got to do is ask, offer me to talk football and I'll do it. <laughs> appreciate it, guys. Man. Have a great time. Appreciate thanks, you. Thank you. Have a good night.